All right, we are recording now. Jeff Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Yeah, well, thanks for being on, man. I I really do appreciate it. I saw that, uh, you know, you you interacted with a couple of the tweets, you know, that I put out for the Mark Tippett's episode. And, you know, after seeing, um, you know, after seeing you through that, I wanted to bring you on the show and wanted to start off by saying, uh, you know, congratulations on becoming the Brazos County Libertarian Party chair. Um, Thank you. I know it was relatively recently. I don't know when exactly you got elected, but I mean, congratulations. How does how how does that feel? uh, Well, that was back in March um, and it was kind of a weird situation because even though I had been the vice chair for the last two years, I had no idea that the chair was planning on not running for reelection. He just sort of made a casual announcement at one of the meetings uh, in February. So it was kind of like uh, didn't really have a lot of time to to think about it or consider it, but I just decided to uh, to go ahead and try to do it, and and I was successful. So <laughs> that's all there about all there is to that. I'm I'm focusing on trying to get more people in, grow the party locally, and do whatever I can to you know try to get the message out. Yeah, no, it's it's really good too, man. I think um, you know I think having having libertarians involved on a real you know local county level is just it, it's so important for having like a homegrown base you know that you can work with but you know with you being the chair of the county party and you know you're also running for a state house and district 14 and and i know that you've been uh volunteering with uh, mark tippett's campaign who was on the show recently i mean how do you you know we were just talking before this you've always got busy weeks i mean how do you find the time to do all these different things that you're involved with well it's uh it's not easy because <laughs> I have a full-time job like a lot of people do. Uh, but thankfully I have the kind of job that I'm not constantly um, busy with work. I kind of stuff kind of comes and goes throughout the day. So at my office, I can do some of the libertarian party activities when I'm at work, which helps because uh, you know, it's, if I only could do it when I was off of work, I would have limited hours to do it. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's juggling a lot of different things and uh, having to make sure that I have alerts and things set. So I'm reminded of all sorts of online meetings and all that sort of stuff. Uh, sometimes I just end up having to do more than one thing at once. Like uh, in addition to what you mentioned, I'm also on the state libertarian committee for the first time. I was also elected to that in April with the state convention. So I'm one of the mm. two representatives for Senate district five. And so I've got something related to my duties for that coming up Tuesday night, where I'm going to be interviewing somebody who's a, potentially a, a future County chair in another County in our district. And at the same time I'm doing that, um, Mark Tibbetts is going to be doing a, ask me anything online stream. So I'm going to be monitoring uh, online for questions for that at the same time. So already there's an example of something where I'm kind of having to multitask. Yeah. What, uh, what, what do you do for a, like a, I get a, a quote unquote normal job if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Um, I'm an office manager, uh, work for a company that owns, uh, 25 different, uh, subway sandwiches locations. So we okay. have, yeah, uh, different places in the state of Texas, but, um, here in Bryan college station, uh, all of the ones around here and then several of the ones in neighboring towns. 
So I do a bunch of paperwork related to that, you know, HR related stuff mostly. And just, uh, yeah, <laughs> juggling paperwork and answering phones and whatever else I need to do. Golly, man. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know how you do it. All the different things you've got going on. I have, I have no idea. And you, you do all of this stuff out of, uh, out of college station there. Yep. Yep. What's uh what's College Station like? I've heard of. I've been living in Texas for a little over a year. I'm I'm in San Antonio. I uh, haven't made my way up to to College Station area. What's it like up there? Well, uh, it's a college town, as you can probably tell by the name of the city. Uh, you know, it's where Texas A and M is. So, so much of the everything in town is revolves around the university and every and events that are going on there, but. You know, over the years, we've added some things that were not specifically university related. So, like, we've got the George Bush Presidential Library, and that brings some people to town. And, oh, wow. You know, there's some other, uh, there are things, you know, in Bryan and College Station that aren't directly related to the university. So, there, there's, it, it's, um, you know, most of the school year, uh, pretty heavy traffic <laughs> because of the amount of people for the size of the town we have. Uh, there's yeah. always construction going on, always new housing going up because ever since they uncapped the uh, student maximum at the A&M, uh, you know, we get more and more students every year. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a lot of that. Uh, so it's, you know, dodging uh, bad drivers and, you know, all that kind of wonderful stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. College but there's a lot kids. of good things. Yeah, there's there's. You know, we, of course, as we've grown, we've gotten, you know, a lot more schools and parks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of families here and a lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, rate the schools pretty highly and say that it's fairly safe compared to some other places of our size. So there's, there's a lot of positive things. I, I like a lot of things about this area. I've stayed here. I've been here 40 years now. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I actually get down to San Antonio quite a bit. That's where my mother lives and her side of the family is from. So um, I, I'm there, you know, at least a few times a year and sometimes more depending on what's going on. Oh, it's a uh, it's it's a wonderful city. I had never um, I had never even visited before I moved down, but uh, I, I've really enjoyed it uh, so far. Just renewed my lease a little while back. Really love it. I. I didn't know. I had never been up to College Station area, but I guess this past weekend was like the the move in weekend for A and M. So I got a lot of like weird tweets on my timeline talking about like how bad the traffic in College Station is, and it's still better than Austin, though. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I yeah. I, I just helped a friend move from San Antonio to Austin, and I've, I've been up in the city a couple of times now, and. Every time I'm there, the the traffic is just brutal, and that stretch from San Antonio to Austin, uh, yeah, is not not really a lot of fun either. Yeah, I've but, driven it many times. Oh, it's just brutal. But man, you're um, I mean, you're you're about as heavily involved with with libertarian politics as I can imagine one person being with all these different things you're juggling. How how did you get your start? in politics just in general well that's a 
that's kind of one of those uh you want the short version or the or the really long version kind of questions <laughs> i mean i when i, I tell people because there's sometimes those one of those questions will come up on uh, twitter or facebook or something and they'll say like what's your earliest memory uh you know or the earliest memory that you can put a date on and for me that was uh the inauguration of ronald reagan because obviously i know that happened on a certain day so I know that it was January 20th, 1981. Uh, and I remember asking my mother, like, basically what was going on. You know, it's four years old at the time or, or yeah, four. Uh, so I'm, you know, saying, well, and she said, oh, well, there were, we have a new president. And, you know, the old president, Jimmy Carter, was there at the inauguration. So I said, well, did he not want to be president anymore? She said, no, he, he lost the election. So he's not allowed to be president anymore. And I remember thinking, that's not fair. <laughs> so one of my first uh, connections with politics was like how unfair it was that the president wanted to stay and they kicked him out. But, you know, there, so that was another, my mother used to say that, you know, the thing that she always uh, respected about me from an early age when I was a kid was my sense of justice. So I think that was probably part of it, but um, fast forward like seven years and my parents both went to uh, precinct meetings on the night of the primary election. And my mom went to the Democrat Party one and my dad went to the Republican. So I had to choose, you know, which one I wanted to go to. And uh, I picked Republican uh, again, not because at 12 years old, I had any kind of profound idea as to what the party stood for. But just I just decided, you know, I liked that one better at the time for whatever reason. Ironically, in today's world where they talk about Republicans are red and Democrats are blue. Mm -hmm. At that time, part of the reason I picked Republican is that I remembered that I had seen the pictures on TV of the candidates and the Republicans were blue. So I liked blue better than red. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I picked it anyway. Um, but over the next few years after that, you know, I kind of had that kid growing up kind of casual I would see the news. I would see what was going on with politics, but it wasn't obviously, I, w I didn't know all the details of everything or understand what was going on. But, um, you know, as I got older, I paid more attention to 92 election. I was a junior in high school and I voted for Ross Perot in our little mock election. Um, and so that was my first example of like, being actually crushed as I watched election returns come in. He didn't win a single state. And I'm like, man, mm -hmm. this is terrible. Uh, and then a couple of years later in 94 was my first actual uh, election I got to vote in. I turned 18 in August of 94. And uh, that was the year in Texas where uh, George W. Bush was challenging Ann Richards for the governor spot. And I didn't oh, like wow. either one of them <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I actually grew to like George W. quite a bit after that. But at, at that time, I want, you know, one of the things he really campaigned on was bringing back the death penalty. And I, did, I was against the death penalty, so I didn't want him to do that. But I didn't like Ann Richards either. Uh, so anyway, we can't come to election time, November 94. And I got my ballot and I looked at the candidates and there was another guy on the ballot for governor named Kerry Ellers, the libertarian candidate. And I said, I don't know anything about this guy, but I'm voting for him. <laughs> so <laughs> in my very first election, I voted for a libertarian. Wow. Not knowing anything about what they stood for. 
And uh, a couple years later in 96, uh, I, well, actually, you know, what happened in the, in the fall of 94 election is that there was the first time the Republicans uh, took over the House in 40 years or whatever it was. So there was this big, um, you know, Republican revolution and all that. And I, like a lot of people got swept up in that, you know, thought these politicians actually mean what they say. They're going to reduce government and all this, you know, change everything in the way that everything works. And, you know, that lasted a few months before this. People just sort of fell into the same old habits that they always did as right. far as politicians in Washington. So I was very disillusioned by all that. But for a while there, I was following very closely. Like that was at the time where they first started putting stuff online like um congressional uh debates and and testimonies and stuff like that so i would get on there and i'd actually read like full bills and committee reports and things like that this is you know at 18 19 years old so uh obviously i was a bit of a geek for that kind of stuff while there were other people out partying you know i was reading this stuff so <laughs> gives you an education but but uh come you know uh, election time in 96 or primary season and i went to you know i kind of had i remembered what i did back in 88 with the with my dad and i was like well do they still do this precinct meeting on election night and sure enough they did so i went to that for the republican primary and you know they asked if anybody wanted to be a delegate to the county convention so i'm like sure i'll be a delegate to the county convention so i did i went there and in my usual style i was not going to just sit there and not do anything uh they had debates on the platform planks or if anybody wanted to like speak for or against a part of the platform well there was a part on there about uh, a constitutional amendment to make english the official language so i got spoke to speak against that plank and i debated al jones who was the sitting brazos county judge at the time because he spoke in favor of it and i spoke against so um, but i remember that he respected my viewpoint even though he disagreed with me when i made the point that you know, isn't it the Democrats that are always wanting to get more and more federal control of things? And then we've got this amendment saying the federal government is going to tell you what the official language has to be for everything. And he said, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so that kind of, I think, shows a couple of things about me. One, that I'm willing to get involved in stuff, but I also wasn't afraid to, you know, get up and debate an elected official on something, you know. I'm not going to say I didn't have a little bit of fear, but I mean, I was willing to do it. Um, and that same year, later in the year, I heard Harry Brown for the first time, who was the Libertarian nominee for president in 96. And um, he was on like a PBS show, I think, or something. And they interviewed him where they actually give him more than like a tiny soundbite. You know, he got to actually answer some questions. Mm -hmm. And I was impressed with a lot of the things he said, you know, he was, he had his book out where it was like huge tax cuts now, huge spending cuts now, you know, and I'm like, you know, this is the kind of thing that the Republicans campaigned on, but then it didn't actually deliver on. Right. So obviously that appealed to me. So I, I sent off and I actually uh, joined the National Libertarian Party uh, for whatever the dues was then, like 15 bucks or something like that. And so I got the paper newsletter for a year from for doing that, you know, come 97 i didn't renew it and i moved on to whatever it is i was doing at that point in my life but but i never I never completely um disengaged from politics i just obviously had you know plenty of other interests and by the time uh year 2000 rolled around um i had a young child um so that changed my life <laughs> my focus was on that but 
uh, at that point, I decided, uh, well, I was fed up with the Republicans. I, I guess I'd never really uh, had pursued much with the Libertarians. So I thought, well, at that point, I'll, I'll see about the Democrats. So I actually participated in the uh, process of becoming a delegate to the county and the, for the Democrats also. And they, in my area, they're way outnumbered by the Republicans. So uh, they actually, you know, gave me the opportunity to be a state delegate uh, because, you know, they didn't have a lot of people volunteering for that. Right. But I didn't end up getting to go, uh, you know, mostly financial reasons. Uh, and uh, having a young child, I uh, just, you know, didn't couldn't afford to for all the babysitting and to be able to get up to wherever it was, Dallas or Fort Worth somewhere, I think. Um, anyway, so I didn't make it to that. But at that point, I had, in a way, participated in Republican, Democrat and Libertarian parties. Um and, and, you know, in my elections, I had always tried to keep an open mind and vote for the individual rather than the party. So there was almost never like they, they had the straight ticket party, uh, straight party ticket voting. And but they had the thing where you could select that and then still select individual people. So there were times um, that I would do that. And but, you know, I never was like there was never a ballot where I said, well, this is just a vote. All the all people of this party. The irony of that is that by the time that we got rid of straight ticket voting in Texas, uh, I had become fed up enough with Republicans and Democrats that I swore I wasn't ever going to vote for them again. And so at this point, I probably would vote straight Libertarian Party if such a thing existed, but it doesn't anymore. <laughs> right. But anyway, it was, uh, it was 2020, you know, so many years later when I finally actually officially joined the libertarian party in the sense that i showed up to the precinct meeting precinct convention for the libertarian party and actually affiliated with the party and you know by the end of that week we had our county convention and i got elected vice chair so again another example of where i just kind of jumped in <laughs> it was like not only <laughs> am i joining this but you know already put me in a leadership position off the bat not having any idea what i was doing um, so that, that's, as you can tell, kind of a, a theme of my life is that I, I, I volunteer for things. I jump into stuff and then I try to figure it out while, after I've already uh, committed myself to something. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like you half-ass a whole lot, you know, like you've, you know, you, you, you've been with the Democrats, the Republicans and the Libertarians, and it seems like each time, wh whichever path you're on, you, you went all in on it. You didn't. You know, you didn't just put one foot in and one foot out. I mean, it seems like you really, really committed. And and even yeah. early on, you know, like your, um, you know, like your willingness to, to kind of think outside the box and not be forced into a duopoly, right? Like you said, you know, vote. You know, you might vote mostly one way, but you did usually split your ticket some and and, and voting for Ross Perot like you did, or voting Libertarian in the in the Bush Richards election i mean it always you know i mean hearing your story it seems like you know, it might have taken you a while to officially join the libertarian party but but the signs were there early on it seems yeah i've always been independent i've always been a contrarian uh at the same time i'm the kind of dork that watches a politician give a speech and gets emotionally involved so i i don't entirely fall for things like I did when I was 18, 19, where I'd actually, you know, believe in somebody enough to actually get, you know, really upset when they uh, lost or if they won and didn't do what they said they were going to do. And now I'm much more cynical about it. I don't 
I don't believe, uh, you know, any politicians really going to do 100% of what they promise they're going to. But um, yeah, as far as getting involved, I'm like, why be there if you're not going to do that? I mean, I just, that's always been the way that I was like, it's not, doesn't mean I don't, you know, observe things and kind of sit back sometimes. I don't always speak up in every situation because some of it is when it comes to committee meetings and conventions and stuff, a lot of it is just sort of observing the process and seeing how things are done. So, you know, I recently was, after I was a state delegate, then I was a national delegate to the convention in Reno. So I had a lot of fun there, but I wasn't getting up on the microphone and speaking, you know, and things like that. So, you know, I don't regret that. I could have done that, but I figured I was, I was enjoying things enough participating in everything that I was doing that, um, you know, I don't, uh, I didn't think I had to do that, but I'm not afraid to do that if I need to. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of the deal with me is I feel like there are things where I know clearly here's what I want to do. Here, here's what I believe in and, and I can speak to it. And then there's other times where, you know, I'm kind of looking at it like I can see both sides of this or I'm interested in hearing different points of view and kind of figuring out where I fall on this. So I'm not an ideologue. I've never have been. I've had like kind of basic principles that I believe in. And then mm -hmm. beyond that, I'm really more of a pragmatist in a lot of ways. I feel like, you know, do things that actually work. And that's another way of how I got to the Libertarian Party, because I saw demonstrated over and over again that the way the Democrats and Republicans operated was never going to bring more liberty, less government, more freedom. Like all those things were just slogans and buzzwords that were used by the politicians to try to you know secure their own power and right. so i looked at it and said you know the only the only way that those things are actually going to happen is somebody who is committed to that as their basic philosophy it has to be everything else is subordinate to that you know your goal it's like barry goldwater said back in 1964 you know i'm not running to pass laws i'm running to repeal them you know that has to be the attitude as like an actual actual real change you know turning the ship around that's going the wrong direction not continuing to attach band-aids to the leaks in the boat it's not working yeah well i think you know i think that's a pretty um like you said a very realistic a very healthy way uh you know to look at it was was, was that mindset what caused you to want to run uh for state house in this cycle or what you know, what compelled you to do that I'm wondering. So that's another thing where I've always, um, you know, kind of had the fantasy or idea that at some point I would run for public office of some sort. You know, probably a lot of kids have had that fantasy about running for president or, you know, something like that. And I'm no exception on that. Um, but, you know, before I do my presidential campaign, I figured, you know, I got to start a little bit, uh, a little bit lower. Um <laughs> Actually, in the beginning, I guess, you know, the end of last year, when it was coming up on the, you know, deadlines for candidates and our county chair and uh, I would say a very active member of our county party, uh, Clyde Garland, um, who's run for office many times before, he basically started recruiting candidates. And his purpose was to actually to challenge those specific uh, laws that they passed about the filing fees. So he wanted candidates locally that would run and agree and that would not pay the filing fee 
So basically it was like either we we all get on the ballot or none of us do sort of I'll go down with the ship kind of thing. Right. So I was among the people uh, the end of last year who, who volunteered to do that. So then it was just a matter of what office I run for. And I actually wanted to run for one of the county commissioner spots because one of the things that I was that I was passionate about that really drove me to get to want to uh, run against people was in 2020, the way that the government just became so authoritarian in the name of virus mitigation, you know, the, the, everything became about, we got to shut down society in order to contain this virus. And it, it just, you know, all of our freedoms and civil liberties be damned, you know, none of that is, is important anymore. And it's one thing for the Democrats to go along with that or kind of establishment Republican types. But when you have an area like I live in, that's seen as conservative Republican and you have those same people that are elected officials that also just rolled over and accepted all of that um, from, you know, the state level on down to local people. I mean, they had a County commissioners meeting where they didn't have any kind of public hearings. They didn't have um, any discussion. It was just, well, this is what, you know, CDC or, or state authorities and things are saying, so we're just going to vote it all in a rush job tonight and accept all these emergency things. And I thought that was a terrible way to approach it. And I was really irritated, <laughs> to put it mildly, by that. Oh, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll run for county commissioner, you know. Well, the problem with that is that the way that they do the uh, county commissioner and justice, the peace and a few things like that is they, they have, uh, four precincts in college station, uh, or in the County and they, uh, they alternate, you know, every two years, like which ones are up for election. So uh-huh. one, you know, it's the even districts one year and then it's the odd ones another year. So my, uh, commissioner precinct is not up for election in 2022. It won't be again until 24. So Mm. because I wasn't going to move out of my precinct and they have a, you know, residency requirement, you know, you have to live in the precinct you run in. Uh, well, that was out. So I had to look at what else was possible. And I didn't, I kind of looked at the duties of, you know, if I actually got elected to the position, would I be able to do whatever that position was? So there were things like County treasurer and clerk and, and, uh, uh, stuff like that, where I'm like, I don't really, wouldn't really want to do that job or know how to do that job. Um, And so ultimately I said, well, there's still one more local race that even though technically it's a state position, it's a, it's entirely local because our state house district is entirely within the city limits of Bryan College Station in Brazos County, Mm. which obviously that's not true for everybody's state house district. Some of them include a ton of counties, but ours just the way that it's, drawn is it's just Brian College Station. So it's a local position that reports to somewhere else, if you know what I mean. So, and I thought, you know, this actually works because, uh, you know, I feel like a representative of here, you know, I've lived here for 40 years, like I said, what better representative, you know, could I be somebody who has grown up here, gone to the schools, raised my own son here, you know, also worked here and and he came up in the schools here and so i'm like i have all this experience living here i feel like i could do that job representing the only uh the real downside to it is because of the way that 
for whatever reason it's structured the uh the salary for that position is not very much so it's right. kind of a it's kind of one of those things where i would take a severe pay cut if i actually got elected but <laughs> so we've often had people in that position that have the type of jobs where they're like business owners or things like that where they can take you know six months off of their uh job and and stay in austin and go to legislature meetings and all that and not worry about you know losing their job uh so obviously uh, if i were to be elected I'd, I'd have some decisions to make when it comes to that but but yeah, that was ultimately I, I told Clyde and, and told Bruce, our previous county chair, that I'll run for state representative. And uh, so um, I filled out the paperwork and and I actually assisted in getting some of the other candidates paperwork done because I'm also a notary public. So I, I did that paperwork and mm-hmm. and then uh, we got all that turned in and then we had our county convention and I was nominated. So that's how that happened. Yeah, no, that's... um. <clears throat> Yeah, that's really awesome. And I, I think the I think the COVID restrictions and, and everything that came along with that was uh it was real eye opening for a lot of people, I think. I, me me included. I was uh very much so one of them. I you know, you never really thought about how quickly our civil liberties could just be snatched up with the stroke of a pen or, you know, a decision made overnight without voter involvement or or anything like that. I mean, just to, you know, to go from living in, in a free and open society to, you know, not being able to stay out past a certain time or having to wear a mask everywhere you go or not being able to go into certain places unless you have, you know, like a fully updated vaccine card. And I mean, it really, re- really, really blew a lot of people's minds, um, myself included. Now, we don't have a lot of time uh, left here. Our, our Zoom timer is started its little countdown, but I, I, I did have a couple other things I wanted to ask you. Um, maybe, you know, one of the more important ones being, you know, what, what are kind of the three big issues that, that you're focusing on, on your campaign and, uh, how, how is that resonating with voters? Have you found? Well, um, I would say that as I kind of hinted at earlier, the number one thing is, reducing basically the size and the power of government and making it actually representative again, making, uh, bringing the power back to the people, so to speak, is really the top issue. Everything else sort of revolves around that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, when it comes to those type of restrictions and other things, you know, there was an emergency powers act that they used to justify a lot of that. So I would want to repeal that. I would want to repeal um, all of the laws that are in place that limit ad- consenting adults making agreements and transactions. It's amazing how many things that the government wants a part in, either to tell you flat out you can't do it or you can do it, but you have to have a permit or a license or pay us this amount of of fees and you know property taxes, another big thing. Uh, people are... Uh, taxed in so many ways where it's tax on top of tax, Hmm. you know, and if you leave something to somebody else as a gift or in your will, then you're, you know, taxed on top of that. And so there's just so much uh, bureaucracy taxes, layers and layers of government control. And, you know, my biggest thing is just trying to reduce as much of that as possible. So, you know, when it comes to individual legislation, our representative is uh, John Rainey, a Republican, and he, you know, comes out and says, here's what I accomplished in the last legislature. 
and it's a list of new legislation that's passed, new bills. And I would have the complete opposite approach. If I have something like that at the end of my term, it would be, here's the things I got repealed. <laughs> here's the things <laughs> that I got rid of that made you freer. So everything is about what can I do to make, to give you more freedom? You know, whatever it is that you're uh, unable to do because there's government in the way, I want to help that get out of your way so you can do it. So as far as resonating with voters, basically every time that I hear someone in a conversation where they're complaining about something that they're unable to do or uh, regulations they've had to follow or fees and taxes and things they've had to pay, you know, that's where I'm like, well, vote Miller, you know, right, <laughs> there's your right. way out of that. You've got a choice. You got somebody who's on your side. You know, small businesses that have, you know, either lost their business completely or been put in a really bad financial situation because of all the extra things they've had to do because of, you know, government restrictions or regulations. Every time I heard my boss complain about, well, we've got to do this and this on on remodeling a building because, you know, there's all of these codes we have to follow. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that every single uh uh, city code or things like that is, is all a bad idea, but there's still so much that isn't about actual safety. It's about somebody's getting paid for this. Somebody, uh, you know, is the one that says, "Oh, you have to pay this and get this permit and do these things," and you know, and it's it's all about sort of maintaining that bureaucracy and those layers of control. So those are the type of things that I take every opportunity to say, if if you had me. In Austin, I'd be fighting to end that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really awesome, and I, I have to imagine that voters really like hearing a message like that. You know, I talked with uh, with Mark Tippett's on on our episode about you know just the the state of Texas politics as a whole. I feel like there's so many races, um, in particular the the Beto Abbott one, where you know there's a lot of people that look at both of those choices and go, God, you know, I. I don't want to vote for either of those guys. And you see that replicated just down the ticket. I mean, pretty much wherever you go. And, you know, I just, I hope people start, you know, doing their own research and, and looking into libertarian candidates and other independent and third party candidates. And just know that they're, they don't, they don't have to be forced into this duopoly. The, the system is set up in that way to make them feel trapped in one of the two parties. But, you know, I, I, I like taking, you know, the opportunity on my show and in my personal life to let people know, like, hey, you, you know, you're not stuck with those two shitty choices. You know, you <laughs> you can vote libertarian if you want to feel good about your vote and support a, you know, support pro-liberty candidates. And we, we yeah, are about people to... around here. People around here are always, uh, you know, still vote Republican because they're scared of what would happen if the Democrats took over. Well, the whole point to me is. Let's bring the power back locally so you don't have to worry about who has the majority in Austin because they won't have that much control over you, so it won't matter as much. Right, and that that, that ultimately should be the goal. We've got about two minutes left here on our timer. Uh, Jeff, I, I really do appreciate you coming on to the show. I wanted to give you these last two minutes just to promote anything you want to promote, a website, any upcoming events, uh, anything like that that you've got. Well, so we're going to find out, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday and we're going to find out Friday whether or not that I'm actually going to be on the ballot for state rep, because that's when we'll 
at least hopefully find out about the results of the uh, of the Republicans lawsuit against us. We didn't even get into that uh, in this. But um, anyway, they're trying to get 23 candidates off the ballot, including me, because of not paying those filing fees. So uh, we'll find out the results of that because that's the deadline as far as getting the ballots going. And once we do, if I actually know that I will be on the ballot, that's when I'll do things like websites or other things, you know, really kind of kick off the, the campaign in a more uh, serious manner. Uh, so as far as now, anyone who wants to can follow me on Twitter at Real Jeffster. Uh, and yes, I call myself that because I had the screen name Jeffster before any of these other people did. And some people, <laughs> you know, they come along and they try to use my name. So Right. Had to had to make sure people knew I was the real one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, coming up uh, this Tuesday night too, the 23rd, uh, we're doing a Mark Tippett's uh, Ask Me Anything live stream. So anybody um, hopefully will uh, tune into that, ask him questions, and I'll be part of doing all that stuff as well. So uh, vote Miller, vote Libertarian. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Vote Miller, vote Libertarian, vote Mark Tippett's and all those other great Libertarian candidates. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. Take it easy.